0: Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I'm going to invite Duncan and Briney. They're going to come and read. Um, they're going to read, and then I'm going to pass straight on to Ian Collins. Ian has been part of Mosaic for a few years, and he's actually preached quite a lot, yet not yet here. So this is his, his debut preach at Mosaic South, and we're looking forward to, to him sharing. I, I really appreciate Ian, um, kind of his, his warmth and his love and his wisdom into who we are as Mosaic. So um, certainly once the reading is done, um, please let's give him a massive round of applause to welcome him. But Duncan O'Brieny for the reading, let's give them a round of applause.
1: So this reading is from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 to 23. Am I not free?
0: Am I not an apostle?
1: Have I not seen Jesus our Lord?
0: Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord.
1: This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me.
0: Don't we have the right to food and drink?
1: Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas?
0: Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living?
1: Who serves as a a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses.
0: Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain.
1: Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he?
0: Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest.
1: If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you?
0: If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more?
1: But we we did did not not use this this right.
0: On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ.
1: Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar?
0: In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel.
1: But, but I, I have, have not, not used, used any, any of, of these, these rites. And I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to, to deprive me of this boast.
0: For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward.
1: If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge, and And so so not not make full use of of my rights as as a preacher preacher of the gospel. gospel.
0: Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to To win win as as many as possible. possible.
1: To the Jews I became like a Jew, to To win win the the Jews. Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law,
0: I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings.
2: Thank you so much, Bryony and Duncan, for reading that beautifully for us. I hope you like the two-person approach to the reading. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, Well, uh, Dan has already introduced me. I am Ian, Ian Collinge. Uh, he wanted me to just say something about what we do. Helen and I are members of a missionary organization called WEC International. And uh, we've served for uh, several years, quite a few years really, among the Tibetan people. Anyone heard of Tibet? Most people have. And uh, we were mainly living in a country of Nepal and uh, church planting and seeking to bring the gospel to the tibetan people i just wanted to say that uh, this is really a thrilling occasion for me just to have my debut preach uh here in this place and i'm very grateful for you turning up (laughs) as well that's very nice on a lovely sunday in the middle of of august so that i get a chance to have people to share this uh, wonderful uh passage with today um, I wondered about uh, calling this uh, this talk serving and winning, but then I thought you might get the wrong impression because you might be thinking of <laughs> because Paul talks a lot about serving and winning, so I decided to rephrase my title and to call it the less snappy free to serve and win people. That's the heart of what I want to talk to you about today. How we can be free in Jesus, in our lives, to serve and win people to Jesus. Uh, Based really all around this key text in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So today I want us to think about what will free us to win as many as possible for Christ. This passage is actually quite meaningful to me and it has been for many years. We went out to the Far East to reach the Tibetan people really with this as a background especially the verse where he says to the Jew I became like a Jew to win the Jews and he speaks about the Gentiles the non-Jewish people to whom he was preaching the same way I became like one of them in order to win the Gentiles so this has become foundational really for our ministry In the same way that Paul wanted to become like a Jew, he was actually a Jew, but he means certain things by that. I wanted to become like a Tibetan, to win the Tibetans. So what did that mean? What did that mean for me to engage in ministry amongst the Tibetans, to become like a Tibetan? It meant I had to learn their language, to get sufficient to the language and culture, to be able to enter into their world the message translation translates one of these verses so as to enter into their world I love that phrase so whoever the people are that we're trying to reach the point that Paul is essentially making is to enter into their world so that we can win them for Christ not only did I learn the language and the culture I also learnt how to play some of their instruments I didn't bring them along this morning ah you might say because I thought I'd be too nervous anyway so uh, uh, if I was to play I'd get even more nervous but if you want to uh, find out about those instruments I'm all too happy to invite you to our home and play some of those to you so you get the kind of impression yeah, you can see me playing that instrument. It's called the Damnyen, a Tibetan lute. And I learned that. I researched it. I traveled around um, looking at the different styles of that particular instrument. And I wrote songs in those styles, in Tibetan, in Tibetan styles for the Tibetan church uh, to encourage the Tibetan believers, of whom there were very few, to begin to write their own songs in different styles as well. So, not only the Tibetans, we have been with this missionary organization now for a long time, but we've been back in this country now for some time, and our focus is wider. So, we want to be able to apply this principle in the things that we do on a wider basis, to become like the people that we go and reach in some way, even in a small way, to try and reach those people. So Paul is writing this, the apostle who's writing this letter to the people in the church in Corinth, which is quite near to Athens. He's writing this to address some issues in the Corinthian church. They had questions to ask him. They also had problems in the way that they lived out their Christian life. So he was trying to address some of these issues. And the one that Dan talked about last week was about eating food sacrificed in pagan temples to the idols there can they do that or can they not do that what effect will that will that have and Dan brought how that you know we can do that but it may have bad effects on other people and now what he's doing in this particular chapter he's he's actually gonna come back to that same topic in the next chapter chapter but what he's doing in chapter 9 is to talk about a personal example to show that you can really give up your rights to something for the sake of other people. And that's why he's talking about money. He's talking about how uh, people who serve for the gospel uh, actually should receive from those who receive the gospel uh, the living, the food and drink particularly, uh, so that they can continue that ministry. And he becomes... Quite defensive. I don't know if you noticed that when we were here in this reading, you know, he says, I need to find this passage actually. Um, he says, this is my defense. <laughs> so he's quite defensive. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. So is he really being defensive? In a way, he's got some things to defend himself about, but I think it also, He's saying, just look at this example that I'm trying to set before you. And we'll come on to that. It's all about how he deals with financial support. But before we come on to that, um, I just want to uh, share with you a dilemma I faced in reaching the Tibetan people. And this is at the Tibetan New Year Festival called Lusar, um, which is around about January, February each year. Um, they have this New Year festival, which is a bit like Christmas, in as much as you give gifts, you eat food, you visit people, that kind of thing. So I went on Tibetan New Year to to visit one year. I, I visited a friend that I had been seeking to cultivate uh, a relationship with. It wasn't a deep relationship, but I went to his home, took him a scarf, a white silk scarf which is a symbol of greeting in Tibetan culture and probably I took some fruit can't remember the details but I went into his house and he invited me fairly soon into their, It's like a sitting room but with a sideboard which was a god altar with Buddhas and various different idols on this piece of furniture and on that was a box This is what I would call a New Year box. In the box are certain types of food. Uh, The main staple of the Tibetans is roasted barley flour, and then there's also wheat. So these are two things inside this box. And when he offers me this box, what I'm supposed to do is I'm meant to take a pinch of it and eat it. That's all. I don't eat any more than that. But what I'm also meant to do before I eat it is I'm meant to take it and flick it to the gods three times and say which means victory to the gods and I was there with this friend thinking what do I do this is kind of food sacrificed to the idols in a sort of way me sacrificing it to the gods can I do this okay just for Half a minute. I want you to talk to your neighbour and share what you think you would have done in that situation. Okay. Um, think. Just remember that. Keep that in your heads What you would have done. I'm going to ask you that question later on. Uh, what you thought I should have done in that uh, um, moment in time. One on one with this person, um, not wanting to offend him, and yet not wanting to offend Christ, not wanting to offend those that would hear about this story, uh, and so on. Um, So how does Paul carry on with this argument? He wants to illustrate this point about rights. I had a right. I could have uh, eaten the food. I could have flicked this uh, food up in the sky three times. But what does he say about his rights? He says, I have a right to your support. He says also, I have chosen not to use this right. And the third thing is, my primary aim is to win people for Christ. Okay, the first thing, I have a right to your support. How did Paul support his ministry? He supported his ministry primarily through working for a living through making tents and using that as a trade to to receive his financial support Uh, we want to ask why did he do that but um, there was another reason also and another form of support and that was he would receive support from other churches in fact to the Corinthians in another letter he writes this when I was with you and needed something I was not a burden to anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. So people from Macedonia supplied what he needed. Why did the Corinthian church not support him? We don't know exactly. It doesn't say. We do have some pointers in this passage, maybe because they didn't think he was one of the twelve apostles, those who walked with Jesus right through his earthly ministry. But Paul says, no, I am an apostle. Have I not seen the risen Jesus, our Lord? And he says that to say, I have been called to be an apostle to you. The second thing is, he says, if I'm not an apostle to any other group of people, I am to you because I founded your church. So he said, I am surely an apostle to you. Maybe another reason was that he didn't actually ask for their support he was making tents in order to support himself and sometimes to support other people in the ministry there may have been another reason maybe they thought he's not got a wife he doesn't need a lot of money he's got his own support and they br- he ra- raises this topic here Am I the and Barnabas oh, the only ones who must work for a living don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as did the other apostles, and the Lord's brothers, and Cephas. That means the apostle Peter. So, question. Should the churches support their leaders? Should the churches support their leaders, Dan? That is an important question, isn't it? (laughs) What does Paul say? What does Paul say? So uh, he actually says, yes, yes, and yes, several times. He says, of course they should. Can't you see it from different things in ordinary life? The soldier doesn't pay for himself. The uh, farmers, they eat from the produce that they grow. That animals, even when they're, you know, working for the farmer, they're treading out the grain like the ox. They can eat whilst they're working. And he says that's not just a metaphor for oxes, oxen. It is for us too, isn't it? It's for us humans. And he says farmers expect to receive a harvest. Is it too little if we who sow in a spiritual way into your lives reap a harvest in a physical way? So he's saying from different angles, yes. It's right to uh, support those who preach the gospel to you and share Christ with you. He says not only that, but priests in the Jerusalem temple would receive their food from the offerings that came to the temple there. And perhaps also pagan background believers will be thinking of the pagan temples. So even the priests in those, those pagan temples to the gods, uh, the Greek gods, they would have been living from the food sacrificed there. But then the clincher argument of all was, uh, in the same way he says, the Lord, that's Jesus, has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living through the gospel, from the gospel. And he quotes something. It's not actually very often that you get in a letter like this a quotation or a reference to something that the Lord Jesus said. But here we have something, a reference to what he said. And he's referring to uh, a couple of places in the Gospels, the life of Jesus, where uh, Jesus says, stay there, when he says sends his disciples out on a mission task. He says, stay there in the house uh, where you are staying, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. The worker deserves his wages so should we support our leaders yes yes and yes he underlines this because he wants to get a point across but i think we as a church uh you know we need to take that as as a reality don't we that uh, this is what we should do we should support our leaders we're going to look at this a little bit more so it's perfectly right that we take up offerings Uh, not only for projects and other people but also for Dan and for Matt and the other leaders in Mosaic Church you are doing alright okay the second thing he says I have rights to receive your support but also I choose not to to use that right why did he not? why did he not want to receive their support? I think there are several reasons He didn't want to be a burden to them. That comes out several times, not just in this passage, but in other places. He says, we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. And in another place, uh, writing to the Thessalonians, in a place called Thessaloniki these days, he said, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day laboring and toiling that we would not be a burden to any one of you maybe he was aware that about seventy percent or more people in the Roman Empire were slaves that's a staggering number isn't it seventy or more percent of the Roman Empire were slaves he didn't want to be a burden on these people many of the early Christians would have been slaves He didn't want to be a burden to them. Secondly, he wanted to set an example uh, of honest work. He said, we did this in the same Thessalonians passage because we do not uh, have the right, not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work, shall not eat. It's a principle, isn't it? So he wanted to show the people that you needed to work, Do you need to work in order to, to eat. So that was one aspect. He wanted to model working. I think it also gave him opportunities in the workplace to meet with people that maybe he wouldn't meet with in other ways. He would be able to work with artisans and tradespeople not just with the intellectuals who go to places to hear an orator, but uh, he will be able to just share the gospel on a daily basis as he was making and selling tents and whatever that means in that trade. So he can influence people. I think also he has a real sense of calling and that this is an entrustment from Jesus to him that he's been entrusted with the gospel to share it and he doesn't want it to become uh what's the word sort of influenced by monetary gain he doesn't want to be under the paymaster of other people almost he wants just to be accountable to christ does that make sense And he also says, I want to offer it free of charge. What then is my reward, justice, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge and not make use of my full rights as a preacher of the gospel? So I have the rights, but I want to offer it free because the gospel is free. It cost Jesus everything. And, beloved, it's going to bring cost into our lives if if we're going to, to bring the gospel to people around us. It's going to mean that we walk the same path that Jesus did. Mean that we walk the same path that those that his followers did. It costs them everything, actually. It's going to cost us something, isn't it? To bring the gospel to people. So, yes, a church should provide for its leaders, but what about part time leaders? I wonder sometimes if churches, I'm not talking about mosaic. I wonder if churches for, uh, who are led by part-time leaders somehow have a lesser respect or if they have full-time and part-time leaders where there's a lesser respect for part-time leaders who are supporting themselves th- through their own work. But actually he's saying no. And there's an implication here that we should give full respect to everyone who's leaders, who is a leader over us, whether they're full-time or part-time it's also got relevance to sending people to reach people of other nations like Stephen Yan in Dublin it has got implications he's working isn't it? He? he's working full-time in order to support himself there uh, there's a, c- kind of three ways for missionaries to to be supported one is that the church supports them fully and that's what people like Peter and other apostles Uh, did. They were fully supported by the churches. Paul, on the other hand, was part-time supported by the other churches, and part-time he supported himself. And then there are other people who are engaged in work full-time, who are nevertheless messengers of the gospel. Someone like um, Aquila and Priscilla, who Paul worked with in making tents. They were full-time tent makers. He did it uh, for raising support and that was the only reason he then had time for preaching the gospel so there are different ways and there are different advantages for each one of those approaches we have people in our organization who are uh, in each one of those categories I have a little bit of income from teaching in colleges otherwise I don't have a salary everyone in our organization comes into it with the understanding we get no salary WEC International does not pay me. We are looking to the Lord for every penny that comes into our bank accounts. And some of that, a little bit, comes in through my teaching. Uh, So the main point, really, that he's moving to is why is he doing this? Why is he saying, I have a right, but I don't use it? He's saying, my main point is not to be a burden, but I want to win people for Christ though I am free he says uh, to know I'm and belong to no one I make myself a slave now just think back into the era where they had slaves around them all the time what did what would that sound like in their ears I make myself a slave that what that meant that he had to give up some things it meant that he had to take up some things had to do things which were outside of his comfort zone. Things which were not easy to do. He writes in places that he received beatings and punishments for the sake of the gospel. That he was shipwrecked. That um, he was uh, imprisoned several times. That he was hungry a lot of the time. He could have made a lot of money, but he chose not to. He chose to lay aside any rights and privileges he had in order to win people for Christ. I am staggered by Paul. How much does it take to win the world for Jesus? He wants to win them to Christ. He wants to save them from the consequences of not believing in Christ of being separated from God for all eternity. He says the wages of sin is death. But, hallelujah, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he says, I identified with the Jews. I became like a Jew. Even though he'd kind of gone beyond that. There were times when he actually took on A vow. And he shaved his hair and went into the temple and did certain purification rites. He did Jewish religious practices, which as a Christian, he did not have to do. But why did he do it? He did it to identify with the Jewish people. Uh, He also wanted to identify with the Gentiles. So, as a Jew, he would probably be eating pork quite a lot. Because he would be hosted by people who would serve pork. What does that sound like for a Jew? They don't eat pork. It's not kosher. And for the sake of Jews, for the sake of Muslims, maybe we need to think about what we eat and what we will not eat for the sake of winning them. For Jesus. And also it would have included food, sacrifice to idols. All right, what do you think I should have done? (laughs) Should I politely refuse? Meh, meh, meh. No, no, no. It's okay. It's fine. You know, I'm a believer in Jesus. Do you mind if I don't? What's the second one? To eat and not flick. I can just eat this, not flick it. But it's part of the custom. To eat and flick. What do you think? Okay, and then anything else? So, who thought I should politely refuse? Put your hand up. Okay. Who thought that I should eat but not flick? Yeah. Who th- thought that I should both eat and flick? you could say something no. yes yes yeah what yeah that's a good idea what what did you think you didn't come up with anything more yeah <laughs> mm. yes very good very good I mean, I was put on the spot, wasn't I? <laughs> totally. I'd been in situations where there were other people and I didn't have to make the choice. You know, Tibetan Christian was there and said, no, 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 it's fine, we're Christians. Like, do we do the same thing or not? In the end, because it was a one-on-one thing and my relationship was not very established with this guy, what I said was, would you mind, I know I'm a Christian, if I offered this to the Father, Son and Holy Spirit? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said, no, that's that's okay. I could tell he wasn't very comfortable with it. it. (laughs) But afterwards I said to the the bunch of uh, Tibetan guys who were discipling at the time, I said, did I I do the right thing? And he, they all said, yes, I did the right thing. I didn't know whether that was, you know, anyway. So that was how I resolved it. But those are the sort of things that uh, you might face when you're reaching people of other religions. In Oldham, when we were church planting in Oldham, we had a Hindu temple across the way, uh, from where we used to meet. And there was, um, a tragedy. I think it was, uh, an earthquake in Gujarat a few years ago, so you may remember. And we wanted to give some money to that as a church. Should we give it to another charity or should we give it to this, this Hindu group? who uh, we, we went in, we had a chat with the, the leader of this community, uh, you know, two elders of us, and we went in, and he showed us all their huge Hindu gods in this building. Should we give it to them? What do you think we should have done? Or should we give it to another charity to dispense? It's for relief. We gave it to them. Because we wanted to build a relationship with this this temple group. Um, So we do face these these, um, dilemmas even here in this country. Uh, One of our uh, workers uh, used to work in the Arab world. He speaks Arabic, returned to New Zealand, his home country, and was then a leader in the mission. And he found that he was sitting behind a desk, not sharing the gospel with people, leading the mission. So he's a bit frustrated with this. So he found that there was a mosque not too far away and he used to go to Friday prayers in the mosque as many Fridays as he could. I don't know how you feel about that. But he would listen to the sermon. He would sit there with these people. Um, I don't know how he do the prayers. But afterwards he would uh, have opportunity to talk with them. And of course there are topical things that can come up and he wasn't always talking in Arabic I think my point is we don't have to have the language here sometimes you know these people spoke English so he could so what are the things that we might need to give up and what are the things that we might, might need to take on if we're going to win people for Christ Paul wanted to identify with the weak he wanted to identify with each person he said he became a slave to all That meant that he gave up rights and he also took on some new habits uh, in order to identify with people. In the 18th century, there was a band of missionaries called the Moravians. And some of them went off to the Caribbean area. And some of them worked all day long from morning to night with the slaves in the plantations in order to reach the slaves. Wow. They gave up a few comforts so we may want to give up certain things alcohol pork to reach Muslims uh, we may want to live uh, give up an affluent lifestyle I just heard this last few days uh, some of our interns who went to Japan this last summer they came back with this story that there was a Japanese missionary couple who'd moved into the tsunami stricken area you know, there was a tsunami there a couple of years ago and those people are still living in the aftermath of it they're still living in the tragedy with you know devastation around them and they are being housed by the government in temporary housing units which are so small and so Sort of tight to live in that you can hear your next door, nor- door neighbor and everything that's going on. And they have four or five, the whole family in this small, small space. And this missionary couple had decided to go and live in one of these places in order to reach the people in the temporary housing units. Praise God for people out like there. Our, f- our interns were so impressed with the commitment of this people. One of them had a back problem. You know, it wasn't easy for them to make that choice but it was a a choice just like paul i became a slave to everyone in order to win them for christ there's a guy in manchester who's in our church that we were from in manchester before we came here he has devoted himself over the last I don't know, 10 15 years to reaching asylum seekers and he has learned about islam he's learned about asylum seekers he's learned so much i'm so impressed with nigel what he's done in order to help them he he actually helps the destitute the people that have reached the end of the asylum seeking process and have nowhere to go and there are houses provided for them and then he gets opportunities to work to sorry, to talk with Turkish Muslim leaders in a kind of Christian Muslim dialogue and he finds that he's giving his testimony and they're saying you became a Christian not you were born a Christian you became a Christian and out of that Wonderful opportunities for testimony in Manchester. That's what we're talking about. What did he need to give up? A, you know, a good salary he gave up. What did he need to take on? Learning about these people. Learning, not the language, but learning about their culture and traditions. So my challenge to us today is, what do we need to give up? if we need to give up on it. I'm not saying we need to give up, you know, all our cherished comforts. We all need to live in tents from now on, and, you know, whatever. I'm just saying, what will it take to reach Leeds for Jesus? To reach the different uh, people of of Beeston, the different people groups. What's it going to take? It's going to take some of us doing a bit more in order to reach out, and some of us are. Fantastic to hear what Adrian is doing with the CAP project. So, is God prompting you to give up anything? Is he prompting you to take up anything, a new thing, learning something, a habit? Did you know that in order to reach Saudis in Saudi Arabia, it might be a good idea to learn golf? businessmen reaching businessmen in Saudi Arabia need to know how to play golf. (laughs) A hard life, isn't it? (laughs) But do you need to take on something? And finally, just maybe you're at the point where you don't even know the things I'm talking about because this Jesus that Paul was talking about so passionately, that he wanted to give everything for is the one that you actually want to know. You haven't yet become a friend with Jesus. Maybe today is an opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to have opportunity to respond during the worship to uh, these challenges to us what things to give up, what things to take on, and whether to respond to Jesus for the very first time in our lives. And we're going to move also into communion. And we'll have an opportunity at that point to make that a bit of a solid decision uh, before Jesus so that he can do his work in our lives. I just want to pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending Jesus to us for him living amongst us, learning what it means to be human in order to win us for yourself. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for those uh, early apostles who modeled this lifestyle. And Lord, I just pray, would you just speak into each one of our hearts the things that you want us to hear, the things that you want us to move into. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.